There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. She got into my arms. She loves flowers. And I was like, I'm so sorry. She has autism. She was like, she's fine. Following all of her plug street in the middle of broad daylight, there's a group of young men just getting high. For somebody coming in off an ambulance trolley, I have found that we physically do not have enough trolleys. Join the conversation. Call 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Punch 96 FM. You can't really make promises about the weather. You haven't been able to make promises about the weather all through the summer of 2023. It's been one of those summers. <laughs> Another one, says you. But we can predict an improvement. Um, Alan and Carlo and all the other people who look at weather have been predicting a little bit of what we call proper back-to-school weather as autumn arrives tomorrow, of course, first day of autumn. Don't even start that one with me. I won't hear it. Tomorrow, first day of autumn, first day of September. And it looks as if the weather is going to improve, not dramatically, but it's going to brighten up, it's going to dry up, and it's going to warm up a little bit for anything from four to maybe even as far out as ten days. So some nice weather coming to bring in autumn, which is no bad thing. God, it's been a dreary, dreary summer uh, weather-wise. Oh, 818 96, 96, 96 is the number. Text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Earlier in the week, we were talking about giving the vote to 16-year-old John Dolan from The Echo has three teenage sons and having consulted with them he says no 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 they're not ready they're too young we'll take another view on that uh, later this morning and a few more bits and bobs that you've been dropping into us over the last couple of days the school bus thing it comes up every year it is a shambles every year and guess what 2023 is absolutely no exception to that but first, you know the way you can trawl for hours through TikTok and there's funny stuff and there's strange stuff and there's downright bizarre stuff. TikTok is just a mine of different things, wonderful things, crazy things, mad things, things like put on my makeup with me. I mean, I don't know how, how that ever became a thing. Or, or, or wash the car with me. 
But then, if you just jump around TikTok, you'll find stuff like this. That's the story, TikTok. I, I see a lot of young fellas there, you know, and they're starting to get into trouble there with, with the guards and starting off smoking weed and they're loving it. But I'm telling you now, it's all fun and games and thinking it's great and getting locked up and bringing the guards to the doors and drinking on the side of the road and little do you know. I lived that life. I'm not a doctor or counsellor or anything like that. I'm going off experience because it happened to me. That's Ricky O'Donovan, his uh, handle on TikTok, small dude 810 Ricky O'Donovan. Uh, how long are you clean now, Ricky? Is it just, just over a year and a half, is it? Morning. Good morning, PJ. I'm up and actually I'm 18 and a half months yeah. clean and sober without, without a, a substance going into my, into my body. Good man. Uh, it's tough, but you know, I, I get through it. It don't be easy, but I picks up the phone and it rings other members. You know, and it works for me. One of your videos that I watched there, uh, The Monkey, you were saying they were having a hard day. And even 18 months in, there are hard days. It's, it'll be very hard, you know, like at the start... Like when, when when I first tried to get clean, it was like walking with a thorn on my shoe. Right. To go back to news. Like, because I, since I'm 13 years of age, I've been using, mm. using substances. And to live clean and sober, I didn't know how to live. Yeah. I, I, I was in the number of treatment centers over the years. Yeah. I never, like, I never wanted to be, be clean. Really? Like, I never wanted to, to, to be clean. I was only doing it to keep my mother happy. Right. You know, because my mother used to be heartbroken. I used to just do it so she'd be okay. Knowing deep down, when I come out of treatment, that I was going back using. Wow. I started off sniff, uh, sniffing petrol, and then 13, I was doing it up to I was 13, you know, and then I started, I, I started drinking and taking ecstasy back then, speed, you know, blow, and then, like, it just escalated the harder drugs, things that I never thought I'd do. Yeah. And I ended up, and on the end, I ended up on crack cocaine, heroin, and tablets. Good God. Every single day. You know, I had heroin. Like, to be honest, if I didn't find heroin, I'd be still using drugs. It was heroin that brought me to my knees. Really? Yeah. You said you used to go into rehab, but only to keep your mum happy. You, you knew that the minute you'd come out, you'd be using again. Um, oh, yeah, I'd go back using. Like, I might do it for a week or two, but, like, I didn't... I was still hanging around with old friends. You were, you were in and out of prison. How many times were you in and out of prison? And after... And after being locked up for 14 Christmases. Oh, good God, Ricky. Yeah, since a child, my fourth sentence was in 
2005, I was actually 13 years of age. I got two years in Town. And I like I thought that was the life. Like, going out playing football and things like that, playing on a soccer pitch, that used to do it for me. Yeah. I used to get a buzz out of taking drugs, robbing, getting in trouble, getting locked up, courts. You know, nothing else used to, they were all there for me. I had a mother that do anything in the world for me. But like, it just wasn't working. I wouldn't listen to the woman. You know, like. Wow. And like, my mum, to see me sober today, she's actually shocked in a way. When, like, my mother thought I was never going to get clean. My mum thought I was going to die. The only piece that my mother used to get is when I used to be up in car prison. Wow. Did you ever think you were going to die? I thought I was going to die, yeah. I, I didn't think I would ever get clean. I was so much in a dark place. You know, like, I used to, I, I, there was a times that I used to be sleeping inside of sheds, bags of rubbish to keep me warm. My front door was always open to go back, but I didn't want to put down the substance. I loved drugs that much. I preferred to be out in squats, sleeping rough, out in the rain all night. Because that's how much the drugs meant to me. I was so caught up with drugs. So 18 months now, you're clean. Is that the longest time ever, Ricky? Yeah, yeah. I could never get a day clean. Crying. Never, ever could get a day clean because the sickness used to be unbelievable. You know, the diarrhea, the hot and cold sweats, the aches, the pains, getting sick cramps good god like that's how bad it is like I was afraid as well I know so what changed for you 18 months ago in a, in a prison cell here in Cork what changed well, I was after I was after burying my baby oh, and I can remember like my I was actually in prison and my my partner had, had a stillborn baby oh, and no. I can remember my mum picked me up to bring me out to the hospital I said no no ma'am drop me to this fella's door I want to get drugs Ricky and she begged into my face Ricky please don't can you just just go up to the hospital like that's that's how much the drugs meant to me I went there before I would actually go to my partner and and that was a couple of weeks later I got locked back up and I actually was up in car prison cell I was talking to myself I thought my cellmate was my mother. I was completely fucked. And this went on for a couple of months. And I started coming around, around to myself. And I can remember the officers came on to me and said, Ricky, you're free to go. I said, I don't want to get out. They looked at me stupid. I want treatment. I says, I don't want to go back to the streets. Something just came over me, Ricky. It's no or never. Like I, when I was in the prison, I got a spiritual awakening. Let me explore that with you for a second, Ricky. You were at rock bottom, is probably a mild way of putting it, and something told you this is the moment. Yeah. It's no one ever. Who was the first person that helped you? When I got out. Yeah. My mother. My mother and my husband. 
he goes, Ricky, you can't, I can't help you. You have to help yourself. Mm. Like, that was sick of daddy here on me. I'm going to get clean. I'm going to get clean. Like, if you want help, no one can do it for you. You have to do it yourself. It's not going to be handed on the place. And... I said, I, go to, I actually got out and there was a, a fella that I used to use with. He was in recovery and he goes, do you want to go out to the meeting? He came up to me today, I got out because he was asking me for years, Ricky, like, to come to meetings and, and I just wasn't ready. Yeah. And I went to meetings and for a couple of months, I went to Narcotics Anonymous and I said, after a couple of weeks, I'm going to treatment and I, I put in the work and I, I showed up and I would have gone to any arms length to get clean and to say it's over. I was after getting my children back in my life that I didn't see in five years. And mm-hmm. like they'd be even get a front door key off my mother. You know what I mean? And like my mother got her wedding put back five times because I went there. Because I, cause I was so, kept getting locked up and I was on the streets and she wouldn't get married without me. She's some woman. Like I, I make, I try to make amends to my mum, and she goes, "Ricky, there's no making amends. All I ever wanted you was to be clean and sober, and I have you." That's brilliant. You, you have another baby on the way in January. Oh yeah, I have, I have a baby girl coming in January, and you know I'm actually going to be there for this. I had a three children. I was I was actually in prison with the three of them being born. Crikey. And I'm going to be there for this one tomorrow. No, like, because I grew up with no father in my life. And I always said, all I ever wanted was to have a baby clean and sober. And I have it. I have this grasp with two hands and I not leave him go of it. I'm actually kind of getting emotional now on the phone. That's okay, fella. I can understand why. I can understand why. And a lot of people listening to you will get emotional too, so... I should, like... Because all I would ha- I was ever hearing all my life is junkie. This fella's on the paper this time, that time. I was actually in treatment. And I was getting out the door. <clears throat> and they handed me the Naloxone kit. They thought I was going back using it gave me this, this kind of gave me the strength, Ricky. You know, you're going to prove everyone wrong. You're going to prove yourself wrong because everyone was hard. They were sick to death. The yeah. promises, the lies that that comes with addiction. Yeah. Like people that used to look down on me, I ask actually asking me for help on the side of the road today. Wow. The videos. When did you start doing those, and why did you start doing those on TikTok? You know, I actually only started them a couple of months ago and I, I see people was texting me saying I got a couple I'm getting a couple of days clean all over watching your videos and and I was actually saying go on Ricky like people are saying that you like they must be working and I kept putting them up and I was getting texts and I was actually in town there was people sitting on the side of the road begging and saying to me, Ricky, I'm going, I'm going to treatment all because I'm watching your videos. Wow. To hear that, like, because I used to be, there's no hope for me. There is hope. I used to be 
sitting exactly on the side of the road the way you are. There's hope there for everyone. Don't don't say there's no hope. There's hope there for anyone. If you put in the effort, what you put in, you do get back. It takes longer for some people, but keep fighting, fighting, and you eventually get it. I didn't get it after my first goal, yeah. but you keep fighting, and if if you have enough will, you have to cha- change one thing, and that's everything. But there has to be, doesn't there? There has to be the moment for you. It was after your baby died. I'm I'm so sorry to hear that. I was actually in psychosis, in due psychosis. I didn't think I was going to come around. And after a couple of months, I came around. And I kind of reality, re- hit kind of reality and sit inside the cell. And I go, as to my cellmate, I'm going to change. And he laughed into my face, Ricky, you're at this a long time. And then I said it to a lot of people in the prison. And no one would believe me. You know, I was a wild, wild child. I didn't care about no one. Only myself. That's how bad I went. Yeah. So no one could could believe me. Yeah. I have everything that I I have back. My children. I have trust. My my health is good. You know, I have everything that I ever wanted and dreamed for. I have peace of mind. Like I can put my head down at night time and go to sleep without no worries. I didn't harm no one today. I don't. I didn't lie to no one. I didn't rob. You know, I'm actually a, pr- a proud person that I never thought I'd ever say that about myself. <laughs> the videos are they're helping people, but they're helping me as well. That's fantastic. You can't stay clean by yourself. You no, know, you have to reach out to people. Yeah. Who do you if if you have a troublesome day? I mean, if if you're struggling, who do you ask for help? I, I ring members inside Narcotics Anonymous. Right. I actually go out there every single day and and speak. Once you speak, it takes the power out of things. Well, you go to a meeting every day? First, when I came out of treatment, I went to meetings, two and three meetings a day for over 12 months. Right. Three times a day, if I could get on, but I was always two. And I thought my I thought I was boring at the start. Oh, meetings every day, my whole life, just meetings. And I kept hearing inside the meetings, keep coming back. It works. I thought recovery was boring. I didn't like it, but I knew I couldn't go back to where I was at. Yeah. And I kept listening. And the penny drop, Ricky. This is what it's all about. So you're still going to at least one meeting a day, are you? I go to meeting every single night without fail. I go to meetings. Good man. It's not easy, but it's better than where I fucking was. I'll bet it is, fella. I'll bet it is. Um, and one thing I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to get my own apartment now, and after building my life, you know, be behind the way, try to get an old apartment. It's tough trying to get one. I'll say it is. But I, 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 I keep trying to get one somewhere to go. Because I'm actually in my mother's house and not my baby's on the way. And my dream, my dream is after coming through. You have exciting times ahead. I wish you well with the arrival of your new baby. I wish you well with your recovery. It's been a privilege to listen to your story, Ricky. I intend that, PJ. If I could get clean, anyone will get get clean. Like you just have to put in the work. This, this, 
this do work, you know? Yeah. I'm not living in a nightmare no more. I can get up in the morning and go on about my day. I don't have to walk with my head down. I don't argue hurt with no one. I'm not perfect by no means. But I'm a complete different young fella than I used to be. Will you hold your head up proud? Your TikTok, yeah. small dude 810. Small dude 810. And people can find you and watch your videos. It's 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 been a joy to talk with you, Ricky. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks, PJ. And have a good day, boy. And the same to you, fella. <sighs> I'm doing this job a long time. And I'm talking to people every day, every week. Probably do a thousand interviews a year. Probably even more. <sighs> Some people just stop you in your tracks, knock you sideways, sit you down on your arse and go, Jesus, what have I just been listening to? Ricky, you're a legend. You are an absolute young legend. 31 years of age. I wish you, I wish you success. I wish you love. I, li- I wish you, I wish you everything. I'd love to talk to your mother. What a rock. What an incredible rock. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I heard Ricky's story in Tabor Lodge last April. He came in and told his story at an NA meeting. Inspirational. What an inspiration. Ricky should talk at schools and be telling people to stay away from drugs. That's from Marie. And then, sorry, you can't go on air, but that COVID lockdown obviously drove many young people to drug abuse. Never again should they be subjected to any lockdown by this shambles of a government. All the causes upset to people, especially these days with the cost of living and the fuel increases and the VAT increases and all that. They're nothing short of a disgrace. Finn Foy, Finn Gale and the Greens. Well, Ricky was using an awful long time before any COVID lockdown. But I do take your point. 0818969696. We had a whole talk yesterday... I was going through the report as we were getting more about it, about the changes in the, the Doyle constituencies. And it's still going on. Your papers are full of as much politics as you want to consume this morning with regards to the various redraws and boundaries and moving this town into that place and moving that city out of there. And But it draws us back to a conversation from earlier in the week where we were discussing whether or not 16-year-olds should get the vote. Back, back to that one next. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over thirty five years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox ninety six FM. The big drive home with Izzy Showbizzy. On Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Izzy Show Busy. And I'm coming to the Big Drive Home on Cork's 96FM. Join me Monday from 4 for the best music mix, all the showbiz and the latest traffic. Plus, you pick the playlist on the takeover each night from 7. Join me Monday from 4. The Big Drive Home. You can drive me home. With Izzy Show Busy. Cork's 96FM. 96FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Cox96FM Ricky, my friend the amount of love the outpouring of love 
for Ricky O'Donovan in the last couple of minutes is, is astonishing, actually. Mick, I hope and pray he's able to keep a hold of the light that's shining for him, says Mick. Michael, Ricky's an inspiration. I've no doubt he's helping so many people. Uh, Christine says, tell Ricky to get Audible. You'll get a free book and download Never Finished by David Goggins. It'll help with recovery. I've heard of that book. I've never read it, but I have heard of it. Regina says, fantastic interview, PJ. Well done. Well, well done to Ricky. Get his mother on, please, asks Ivan. There's not a dry eye in Cork listening to Ricky. Tears for him, his mom and his family. So lovely to hear him getting through and learning how to love and learning how to live. Please, please, please talk to his mum. That was so powerful, uh, says Geraldine. Just want to tell Ricky, so proud of him. We hope he, that, and, and what he gives to families and those suffering with addiction. He gives hope. Uh, Janice, uh, we're going to we're going to see if if his mum will will talk to us. Uh, it's it will be a big thing for her, I imagine. Um, maybe she will be lovely to meet her, lovely to chat with her because she's been she's been a complete and total rock for him. But now he's going out into the world and meeting people who were in the same place as he was a few years ago. They're watching his videos on TikTok. And they're giving it a go. Like, does he even realise, does this wonderful, lovely young fella even realise what he's after starting here? I don't think he does. I really don't think he does. 0818 96 96 96. Now on, was it Tuesday? I think it was. On Tuesday, I was talking to John Dolan uh, of The Echo. John writes a, a column in The Echo from time to time. He's, he has three teenage sons and he'd been discussing with them um, whether the vote should be extended to 16-year-olds, just asking them how they felt about it. Because there's a debate on at the moment about extending the vote to 16-year-olds. I think they would start with a presidential election. That would be the plan. That it would be starting with a presidential election. We'd do have one of them at the end of 2025 and eventually move on then to local elections and maybe general elections down the road. We would probably take a referendum as well to extend the vote to 16-year-olds. But John had been chatting with his own teenage sons and wrote a column based on those conversations. And John's view, and bear in mind, he's a father of three teenage sons, his view, John Dolan's view, is that they're just not ready for it. They lack, I don't know, they lack the maturity, I suppose, the life experiences. You know, they're not paying tax, most of them at that age mm. anyway. Um, you know, so so I just think overall, I just think, no, it's not for me. I think they're, they're, they might be too easily swayed um, by certain politicians of certain shoes, you know, yeah. uh, maybe from extreme right wing or from the extreme left wing or whatever. Um, and it might skew the kind of general vote um, from, from what I would call adults who are 18 and over, you know. Your, your own teenagers, have you had an actual discussion with them about we're not a political household, so they've not been brought up in that environment anyway. But, you know, we do debate passionately things and topics of the day and stuff that's on the news, obviously, and things like that. Um, but, you know, they, they just don't they don't really engage with it. And I think that's the vast majority of them would be the same. You know, they they're kind of aware of this sense that there's governments and there's political parties and there's TDs and councillors, but they're not into it that much. You know, there's other things that, that get them that get them going a bit more music and, you know, let them let them be children for a little bit longer. I, I think, you know, is, is my kind of take on it, you know.
Okay, that's John Dolan, columnist and father of three teenage boys, chatting with me earlier in the week. James Joy is a local area rep for the Labour Party in the Cork City North West Ward or North West Local Electoral Area. James, you heard that conversation. What are your thoughts? Good morning. Morning, BJ, and thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I suppose uh, my thoughts would be like, you know, uh, Mr. Dolan there has said that, you know, kids at that age might not be responsible enough to, to make that kind of decision, but and maybe he'll know more than me about parenting, but I would say that, you know, you can't learn how to be responsible without having some responsibility. Like, at the moment, you get to vote at 18. At 18, you also get to go out, go out clubbing, college, explore the world. The last thing on your mind is that you're going to go out and, 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 and go and vote in an election. Whereas at 16, you're surrounded by educators five days a week, um, you know, that's going to give you some time with that agency to, to learn about it, gain interest in it in Scotland. Uh, since reducing the age to 16, there's mm. been long-lasting increases in voter turnout amongst young people, more so than like people who are 19 and 20 now and voting who got to vote at 16. Um, they're now voting more than 19 and 20 year, 19 and 20 year olds were before uh, the, the, the voting age was brought down. So it has actually lasted mm. and gone into the future. In, in Austria as well, and there's been studies done, in Austria they have the voting age of 16 for everything as far as I know. And there's no discernible difference in knowledge or engagement or interest in studies that have been done um, for 16 and 17 year olds. Uh, they're not particularly more extreme. Um, I know John said that you might think that extreme left or extreme right parties might have an advantage and there's no shortage of choice in Austria for extreme uh, for extreme parties and they don't seem to be they don't seem to be uh, particularly more extreme the younger cohort of voters in Austria um, than in any other place in the world. Mm-hmm. And and lastly, like it's tough it's tough to be a young person today, especially in Cork. Like it's it recently it's come out that we're the third most expensive um, university town in Ireland. Um, you know, they're paying extortionate rents to dodgy unregistered landlords most of the time for, pardon my French, but crap accommodation. Mm-hmm. And on top of having to essentially work every hour that you're not in college just to afford that, it's usually the worst jobs. And look, there's an employees, quote unquote, employees market at the moment. But businesses across the city are closing down at a crazy rate. So what does that tell you? To me, it's very obvious that there are many businesses that simply cannot survive without access to a steady stream of low-paid and predominantly young workers. And that's wrong. And I think young people you should John, have James, that, that happens all over the world. When you're young, you take a crappy job, you make crappy money to get yourself into the workforce. I did it. God almighty, if you saw some of the jobs I did as a teenager. But you do it to get into the workforce. And that's fair enough. And I worked in McDonald's and I've had fairly crap jobs myself. Um, but I think if a business doesn't can't survive without access to underpaid workers um, and with a huge turnover in some cases, uh, I'm not going to name any any names, but there are, there are businesses in Cork that have a terrible reputation and with a huge turnover um, um, of, of students mainly uh, that work there for six months and then are out the gap. And it's easier and quicker to do that rather than have them on longer than a year where they actually might pass their probation and have some have some rights. No, fair point. Fair point. Uh, so I, I think I think giving some agency and political power to people who are you know not being treated well by our society is only fair. It would take a referendum if my knowledge of the Constitution is up to scratch. Yours, yours may be better. I think it would take a referendum. And I can remember, as I said to, to John Dolan the other day, I'm old enough to remember when they gave 18-year-olds the vote. And I was 17 and a half at the time. 
and I really wanted to vote. Um, but well, at, si- at 16, I, like- I didn't care if I look back. Well, you know what? If if the voting age had, if you were 15 and a half, say, instead of 17 and a half, mm. and they were talking about bringing it in to 16, you'd probably care then, wouldn't you? That's what I mean. Like, we only start to think about these things when we actually, it matters to us. Like, there's no incentive incentive to to learn about politics or increase your interest or knowledge when you're, you have no say in it. Yeah. Like, and John also said that, you know, most, most 16-year-olds aren't paying tax. Well, they probably aren't, but at 16, you can leave school, you can get a full-time job. Mm. You have to pay tax, and that's literally taxation without representation. There's been wars fought over that. Like, he wasn't, in fairness, he wasn't just dismissing it from a place of no knowledge. He's talking about it as a father of three teenage boys. Oh. Do you know? So I would know a lot more about I would not know a lot more about that than, than I would, in fairness. Do you know? Um, but just speaking from a... From, from, from a what age are you yourself, Can I ask what age you have? I'm 27. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm not a million miles away from that age myself. Well, I and mean, when you think back to the first, oh wait, the first time you voted, I take it you would have been eighteen or nineteen. Yes. Yeah. I think my first vote, I can't remember now if it was a general election or the marriage equality referendum. My first bit of uh, actually, my first bit of political activism was printing out a load of registration forms and driving around to um, secondary schools, uh, just handing out handing them out to school secretaries to pass on to six years knowing obviously that only a fraction of them would you know be 18 and only a fraction of them would probably be registered to vote but a fairly good idea that anyone who was was probably at that age probably going to vote for for uh, for for a yes so so you you certainly um, you certainly would be in in favor of of extending the vote to the 16 year olds we'll see what people think about that the gate cinema i know that you you we're saying something about that i i spotted that they just closed and will reopen under new management um, yeah. What were you yeah. saying about that? Well, yeah, again, uh, most of the staff, if you've gone into the gate and got to the cinema there, you can see most of the staff uh, are, are young, they're students. Mm. Um, and yeah, got feck all notice. Um, I think it was less than a week's notice. Yes. Uh, most of those, especially if they're students working during the summer, they won't be eligible for, um, for a job seeker, so the dole. So they're out in the back now, and if they're in the city and living in the city, they're paying extortionate rents. And like it just again and again, there, there there doesn't seem to be any care or compassion um, for for young people or just workers in general. Like it, there's also the under the the four five center in Churchfield. Yes, yes, yes. Like yes. On, top of, on top of the staff, sorry, on top of the the parents uh, not getting notice, and now have to sort out childcare. Um, you know, for I think it was a hundred pair or two hundred. Uh, kids that were due to to, to, yeah. to access services there in the next in the next couple of weeks. Well, we haven't like, seen much change from what happened to the Debenhams workers and what happened to Vita Cortex workers. That the ill treatment of workers has has continued for years. James, fair point there. Listen, good talking to you, James Joy, uh, local area rep of the Labour Party in the Cork City North West Ward. I'll always call them Ward. Local electoral area. Frank. Frank has a take on this. I get to him next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. 
The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. For fantastic quality and great taste guaranteed. Choose Griffin's Potatoes, Herpings and Roosters. Corks 96 FM. I shall hold on to Frank for a while because a few more people want to get stuck into that conversation on extending the vote to... 16-year-olds. There's also a lovely little rumour going around about the boundary extensions. I'm going to have to try to prove what I'm hearing, but it's a great story if it's true. For now, though, the price of everything continues to go up. The petrol and diesel are going up again. The price of eating out, the price of getting a haircut, they're all going to go up. The price of a hotel room, they're all going to go up from tomorrow because of that. And people are now knuckling down and really worrying about the winter and energy bills. We all know what happened last year with gas and electric. The bills were just they were criminal, criminal. That's what they were. They were absolutely criminal. We were inundated with callers with 1,000 euro bills, 1,200 euro bills for young families with children. Then they couldn't keep it under control. And people went into debt just to pay bills. People went to the credit union just to pay their energy bills. And that's they can't sustain that for a second winter. And that was even with the bit of help they were getting from the government. Charlie Weston, personal finance editor for the Irish Indo, you're writing about this today, Charlie, and I get the impression, and we've talked many times, I get the impression you're cross for these people. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Cross myself as well. I mean, it's unrelenting, isn't it, the, the hits we're taking. I mean, no wonder... The, the inflation figure that was out yesterday is up again, uh, 4.9%. That's the what they call the harmonised consumer price index, and that doesn't even that one doesn't even account take account of mortgage interest or sorry mortgage increases, of which we've seen a whole load of. Uh, but yeah, from tomorrow, and, and some garages have done it already. Um, diesel and petrol go back up again because the excise duty has been restored on those back to where it was. We got a temporary break on, mm. on some of the excise duty last March. Uh, came down by 21 cents on, on um, 20 cents on petrol and 15 cents on diesel. But it's going back up in stages and we've had one increase in June. We have another one coming tomorrow. Seven cents going on the litre of petrol. Five cents on diesel. And then again in October, another eight on petrol and six on diesel. So they're big chunks. And, and you're talking about uh, this happening at a time when petrol and diesel are going up anyway because OPEC and the Russians are, and, and the Saudis are restricting the supply of crude oil into the into world market. So we're, we're back at risk of going over over two euros or near, near two euros a litre again. So that all goes up. And then tomorrow as well, the VAT on hospitality, restaurants, hairdressing, mm. that goes back up from uh, 9% to uh, 13.5%. So that'll hit, that'll feed through as well. You know, mm. if you, um, you, you're talking about a whole lot of other things as well, like uh, going to a theatre or having brochures printed or guest house, you know, museums, that, that, that it applied across a whole range of things. So yeah, and, and all the while, as you say, PJ, we were hanging in there paying whacking great energy bills just as we come into the cold period. And we're, we're waiting desperately for a price cut to reflect the mm. fact that wholesale energy prices are down. And, and we've just not seen it yet. Mm. So that's why there's been multiple calls for a probe into energy companies 
to it just to establish whether or not there's anti-competitive behaviour going on here. Yeah. Why aren't these guys passing on cuts to consumers? The Economic and Social Research Institute, which is a government think tank, they're not exactly, um, you, you know, uh, wild people. They tend to be very conservative and very uh, reliable, and and, 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 and and you know, they don't make wild statements. But yeah. they have made, they've suggested maybe there's anti-competitive behaviour going on here with the energy companies. They're benefiting from a fall in wholesale prices. They're not uh, passing those on, and people are very, very annoyed about it, PJ. Would you agree with me, Charlie, that Ministers McGrath and Donoghue, um, who handled the, the finances, they seem to me anyway, as an observer, not to want to get their hands dirty, not to want to interfere with commercial operations, which they licensed to operate here. It's very, very light touch. There's almost it saying, is. We have it's a almost real... saying, please take down the prices, please reduce the prices. We have a real hands-off approach here. You're absolutely right. We don't seem to want to get involved in the the, the murky kind of regulating prices. I mean, every re- regulator we have in this country, they're a bit of a soft touch, really, because they don't get involved in pricing. And, and, the, and the, the reason for that is they're not allowed to under legislation. Like the Commission for the Regulation of Utilities, which is the energy regulator, they can't tell uh, Borgash or Electric Ireland to cut their prices. They're not even sure whether they can go in and check their books to see if they're telling the truth when they say that they're locked into these long-term deals, which means they can't cut their prices. So it's it's you know it's very much like touch. And across the water in England, which is hardly a bastion of communism, that's run by the Tories for God's sake. They have price caps on energy over there. They're far more interventionist. They have a. A, a protection agency for uh, on the finance side, the Financial Conduct Authority, mm. which got really tough with the banks and made them increase the savings rates. Here we've had ministers wagging fingers at them, but the, the, this crowd just went in and said, right, we want the directors to, to write to us and tell us why they can't cut the, the or increase the savings rates. So you're far more interventionists. Mm. We have a terrible standoffish, let them at it, free for all, which leads to terrible cynicism and a suspicion and probably justified suspicion among consumers that were getting ripped off and ripped off royally and people are sick, or, sick and tired of it, PJ. I had a man on the phone to me from Spain, Corkman, retired to Spain a few months ago in the, in the height of the energy crisis and he was telling me in his particular region the local government there turned around to the energy companies and said, OK, this far and no more. You're already making profits this far and no more. Not one more cent will you put on electric. If you do, you can whistle for your license. If they can do it in Spain, they can do it here. Sure, look, at there is an EU directive uh, which allows or mandates governments in Europe to, to, to impose windfall taxes. We haven't got it together yet on that. Uh, it has been approved by the, the cabinet, but it hasn't gone to the Eructus yet. So, you know, and it's probably past time. They've made the massive profits in the last two years, in particular when gas prices were at their highest and particularly wind companies for example the wind generators made off like bandits yeah. because they I, I missed that memo the Charlie when the price, price of wind went up you know <laughs> I missed exactly, that exactly exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah it's no more you know you, they, 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 so these guys you know they benefited through no innovation or no kind of smart business deals they did themselves just because the price of gas went up and they get paid on the basis of what the gas price is, which is crazy. That should be decoupled anyway. They shouldn't, yes. they shouldn't be getting a, a you know a fee based on what gas is being paid paid for wholesale gas. So you know we we have a, we just have a, an inertia here, a reluctance to 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 do anything about it. 
It's, it's just extraordinary, you know. And people are dreadfully worried coming into another winter. And I think that with some justification, you can Can you see bills jumping up as high as they did last year, or could we? What do you think? I think it's going to be. Unfortunately, I've no good news here, PJ. It is going to be another expensive winter. I think you know we have a whole host of things going up. We've home heating oil, remember, up at 100 and nearly 130 euros a li- uh, for a thousand liters. Um, we 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 have we still have high energy, energy, electricity, and gas bills, and the best we can hope for maybe is a cut of ten percent, which will not bring us back down yeah. to pre-COVID levels. So that's the problem here. So we're looking at high energy bills for the foreseeable while, anyway. Um, and you know, there's a real a ridiculous reluctance by the energy companies to to pass on cuts. There was cuts for businesses, but from Electric Ireland. Yeah, there was. Pinergy, a small company, have cut their prices twice. We've seen a new player in the market, you know, energy, you know, energy. And they're all positive developments. But we've yet to see the big guys, the kind of Electric Ireland's, Borgash, SSC, Electricity and Energia cut their prices, which was what we need. We could do with a good 30% cut, but I don't see it happening. We Maybe we'll get a 10% cut, PJ. All right. Charlie, thank you, as always. Charlie Weston, writing about that today in the Irish Independent. He's their personal finance editor. Thank you, Charlie. The prices, the bills are just going to start going up again, and it is... There's an inevitability to it, which would make you angry. It most certainly would make you angry. 0818969696. Now, on, on another issue of... of broad concern um, to the general public. Minister for Justice Helen McEntee was in town yesterday meeting local politicians and meeting the Chamber of Commerce and meeting all those people to talk about the the state of the city and the state of the streets. Michael, you've written to Michal Martin, uh, the Tánishta, to say you are, you don't feel safe going out now. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Thank you. Yes, indeed, PJ. Like Like you just said, I mean, there are lots of problems facing the people of this country now and energy certainly being one of them but uh, for me personally i i have had some serious concerns about the streets of cork for many years and just very briefly now to as you know i spent more than 30 years abroad and when it came to um, retiring i had several options i could have retired to several countries where i could live without paying income tax mm-hmm. as a retired un staff member and indeed we did look into one or two but we decided to come back to cork now, I may have been a little bit self-conscious, but from the first time I arrived, I, and, you know, I have walked the streets, and I put this in a separate email to the Tarnister in the recent past. I've walked the streets of many capitals around the world, uh, Tehran, Baghdad, Kabul, to mention but a few, and I have never felt any fear or concern for my safety. But even 18 years ago, in fact, 18 years ago today, I, I arrived back on retirement. And even then, I felt a little bit uncomfortable in the streets. But over the years, I have seen a change in the attitude and the behavior of people. And I I often felt maybe it's me. But in the recent months, I've been listening to radio stations. I've been watching letters on papers. And it's not only me. There are many, many people expressing their concern about uh, the, the behaviour of, of individuals or groups of individuals on the streets and, and feeling very uncomfortable. And I, the reason I addressed it to the tarnished is I, I believe that uh, the security, safety, of well-being of our law-abiding citizens mm. is the responsibility of the state. Mm. And in this, in this particular case, and maybe others also, but this particular case, I believe our government are not living up to their requirements. 
And in fact, I think I may have gone so far as to say they are failing the people. Mm -hmm. And this is a very serious problem. Now, we all look at it differently, so I'm just expressing my views and my personal concerns. But I think as I, a lot of people would agree with you, Michael. One of the prime directives of any government is keep its people safe. Correct. And I believe, I believe, you know, it's time for us, and I'm using us as law-abiding citizens, to express our concerns to the ministers, because it seems to me the ministers have other priorities. They're surrounded by lots of advi- highly paid advisors and whatever else they call them. And maybe, maybe it's not getting through to them that the average person out there is having problems. No, look, look at this outrageous behaviour last weekend. The Lord Mayor of our city mm. couldn't... Now, we talk about legitimate protest. Okay, you have something to say? There's you an say investigation going on there, so, Michael, away. so we won't say a whole pile, but no, 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 but, people but, know about the incident. But yeah. the legitimate protest is one thing, but when that, when that protest proceeds to, to harassment, intimidation and bullying, totally different. So the Lord Mayor is an esteemed representative of the people. He should be able to move freely around the city. This is what we require. And I'm just using that as an example. Yeah. So, like, when, when that happens to somebody like him, surely the alarm bells must ring. No, we all, you know from your show, the violence that's been perpetrated, some of it puts it down to, to what, you know, antisocial behaviour. I think it's more than antisocial behaviour, PG. I think it's, it's gone to violence that has gone out of control. And it's gone out of control because, and I'm saying this now carefully, our elected representatives have failed and refused to take their responsibilities seriously. We need to have appropriate laws in place to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Because even when people, as you know yourself, when people are arrested and brought in, They're well, out again. here we go. They're out so again. The, 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 we, I would urge people to communicate with their elected representatives in a, in a calm, polite manner. And if they feel strongly about this or other matters, draw it to their attention. Okay. Let them know they're not happy. Michael, Michael, I leave it there for no reason other than time, but you make your point well and quickly, as always. Your thoughts on what Michael is saying, very welcome at 0818 96 96 96. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call 96 FM. We will put up the podcast of my interview with Ricky O'Donovan uh, this afternoon. But the love for the man is just phenomenal. Uh, he really has touched a nerve with listeners. Ricky sounds like a wonderful man. I wish him all the best for the future. He's a great mother. Look after her. She never stopped loving you. God bless you, Ricky. That's from Anne. I give Ricky great credit. I know what it's like to try to beat an addiction. For me, it was alcohol. Like Ricky, I beat it. It was painful, but I got there. Great praise to him. Thanks, Angela. And then I'd just like to say to anyone on drugs, from a mom, you put mothers through absolute hell on earth. Someone very close to me died a few years ago from drugs. I have my child at it now. There are days when it feels life just isn't worth it. You drive a parent to living hell and they don't even know it. Every day I listen at his bedroom door to see if he's even breathing. I know the person giving the drugs to him, but I'm frightened of what might happen if anything happened to my son. I fear one day I will ring you and say, do you remember that call I had with you? Well, my son is dead. God, that's an awful way to be. That really is a terrible way to be. Maybe maybe get your son to watch Ricky's 
uh, TikTok videos. Maybe in, in, in a bright moment you might get through to him and, and put him onto TikTok and just get him to look at small dude 810. You'd never know what might happen. And as I say, that podcast will be available later. 0818 96 96 96. Uh, there was another few. There were different views coming in about Ricky. Some of them not quite so positive. Uh, and I will read them. I will read them. Um, I'm sure he would address them himself if he was still on the line. I've no doubt he would. In fact, I know that he addresses negative stuff on the TikTok. If you go through it, you'll find where messages have been put up. It's unkind messages have been put up. And he deals with them. He addresses them very honestly and uh, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't praise himself where he doesn't deserve praise but I'll get to them 0818 96 96 96 I want to talk about something else though that's been in the news so much in the last few days there seems to have been a spate of horrible road accidents well, there's no such thing as a nice one I know but horrible road accidents in the last few days we had the leaving cert tragedy in Clonmel on Friday night and then we had the tragedy in Cashel with the grandparents and their grandson and the parents are still in hospital that happened the other morning or the other afternoon and then we had was it one or two was it a three year old knocked down by a car in County Leash yesterday and it's it's like nearly 120 people dead so far this year on our roads and there's a photograph on the front page of the examiner today where there's a guard who literally has his head in his hands it's it's like a look of total desperation or distress or something the guard talking to the media about yet another fatal accident uh, last night I was down in Aldi for a few bits and I was heading up Maryborough Hill it would have been before nine because it was still bright we'll say about half eight I think it was it was still brightish. And I was going up the, the hill at maybe, what, 25, 30 miles an hour tops because the, the lights went red at uh, Maryborough Hotel there. So I was slowing down to stop for the lights. If I did, this fella came up past me on a motorbike, touching the road in spots, going like the hammers of hell, went straight through the lights. If he was going any any faster, he'd have taken off. And I just thought, God almighty, what if he meets some poor unsuspecting pedestrian or other motorist on that road? And then this morning, I don't know who it was. Did anybody else hear it? At about one o'clock this morning, I was just drifting off to sleep. And I was woken by the sound of, it, it could have been a scrambler. It sounded like one of those racing bikes that goes up and down the side of Mount Vernon. Uh, at the, the you know the hot rod motorbiking whatever they call it I don't know don't mind me motocross motocross that's right someone racing those bikes up and down Maryborough Hill around one o'clock this morning it's crazy the roads are deadly dangerous out there Caroline Mannix um, is part of the Carrigaline notice board you've had your own tragedy in Carrigaline over the last few weeks uh, Caroline morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good, good. And a few near ones, even in the last few days, as kids were going back to school. Um, yes, unfortunately, um, it's ourselves. We were in the same situation yesterday morning. It was our first day back at school, and we did the right thing. We walked to school. We stopped at the red lights, waited for the green man, and unfortunately, somebody wasn't awake coming down the hill. 
blew the red light and nearly hit my son. Mm. So if he had been a few feet forward, it would have been a very different day. You hug your son a little bit tighter when you get him, don't you? After that. Almost definitely. We're just, I mean, we're just recovering from an absolute tragedy in Carrigaline a couple of weeks earlier. Um, We had just passed it and apologies for getting upset. Oh my God. (laughs) But it is, it's terrible. You do all the right things. You stop at the lights, you teach your kids road safety to look left, look look right, wait for the green man. But unfortunately, the person that was driving this car just they just weren't paying attention and I think it's up to everybody it's everybody's responsibility who gets behind the wheel they have a duty of care to everybody around them and it's not going to change anytime soon kids are going to be going up and down to school at the same time in the morning and in the afternoon but people just need to wake up and they need to watch out for the children and they need to just be vigilant Um, I know we had a lot of reaction to the post that went up on Facebook and there is a lot of people that are angry about it and are saying that there needs to be more guarded presence on the road and, you know, more speed bumps and speed limits. And we can enforce all of that. And the area where my son was crossing, there is a speed bump coming up to the traffic lights. Mm-hmm. There is an adequate um, footpath and cycle path going from the school right down all the way through the, the village. And people do use it. But parents are scared of their children going up and walking up on these roads when the cars are flying up and down. Um, and I know myself, even walking yesterday, I'm on the outside, the kids are on the inside. And I'm still afraid of, afraid of walking up and down when you see big lorries coming up and down, tractors flying up and down the road. Cargoline Town is just not built. The infrastructure isn't there for the amount of traffic that comes in and out um, and the amount of people that live in the town. The relief road is open now though, isn't it Caroline? Are people using that? They are, but you still have the, I mean, every morning you still have the same volumes of traffic coming in and out of school and it's just the start of it now. Um, And it's, it's dry. It was dry yesterday morning. It was lovely to see people out and about. But once the winter comes again, yeah. I think everybody is in just such a rush to get everywhere. They're, they're forgetting to stop and to concentrate and watch out for everybody else that's on the road because we all de- we all deserve to be there. We all have a right to walk safely to and from where we're going to get to go. So I was just meeting with everyone. Just please slow down. Take your time. That place where little Andre Ladero died, I know it well. <laughs> I lived in Carrigaline, Caroline for 10 years and yes. I, I know the place very well. That's a notoriously dangerous spot and, there, and has it been is. for years. Yeah, it is because you have people that are trying, again, they're rushing to get everywhere and trying to get ahead of the next car that's coming onto the roundabout. Um, I understand where why you have traffic lights there. You do have a cycle lane that's going from the top of the hill all the way down towards the park, um, the Cargillan Community Centre. So it is a continuous line that pedestrians and cyclists can use. But it's one traffic light after another as you're coming into Cargillan. And with so many cars coming in and out of the city centre, everybody is trying to get places. And it's just it's just not working. And something needs to be done. It really does, because there has already been one horrible accident. We really don't want another. Yeah. Yeah, no, the whole town, I was 
only down there in the last few days and people are still talking about this gorgeous little boy and mm-hmm. and and the tragedy that occurred to him and as I said knowing the geography I know that crossing and I, I just as I was driving home myself I, I took a look and I thought yeah they're right that's lethally dangerous mm-hmm. lethally dangerous because you're on the you're on the crossing before you even know it and yes, somebody right. who's not familiar with the area and with the new layout of the road if you're not familiar with the area you, you're on it before you even notice. That's right. So you're coming to the roundabout, yeah. and you're going through the roundabout, and literally, you you are on that crossing, and there's someone on that crossing before you even know where you are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so I'm just asking parents and drivers, um, please slow down, please just watch out for the kids, and. You know, we're hoping that um, the roadway or the the safe pathway that we have that is built, we're just waiting on a CPO um, to push through for the walkway going from Carrigmacur up to the Gwail Skull. Is that still Once going that on? Opens up. Carrigmacur, Carri- are they still trying to get that sorted? <laughs> My son is going into his third year off in the school now. We're still waiting for um, a CPO to be pushed through. I know, I know. Why is it's everything so slow in this country? And it's something that would take so much traffic off the roads. The kids would be off the main roads. You know, I would be an awful lot happier as a parent walking to the end of the footpath and knowing that my kids will arrive up at the school grounds safely with with no traffic. And it will put my mind at ease, definitely. And I will be more inclined to walk and make the effort to go and take another car off the road. Um, but unfortunately, it's, it, we are still waiting on that. Caroline, I wish everybody well down there. I know the town still reeling from that tragedy. The young Andre Ladero, described as a bright, curious and kind young man whose smile and personality lit up a room. Real sadness across the town ever since that happened. Not, by no means, not just because of what happened to him, but because people in the area have known for a very long time that it was almost an accident waiting to happen. And people have been contacting us, maybe too upset to go on the air about that crossing since the accident. And I can remember when I was living down there and my friends were down there, that crossing has always been really dangerous, too close to the roundabout. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, I've spoken to Olivia Keating before on the opinion line. Olivia was the victim of a horrendous hit-and-run accident back in 2016, and you literally, Olivia, your face anyway, and many other parts of your body had to be literally pieced back together. Uh, a man called Dr. Jason Vandeveld saved your life at the side of the road, of no doubt about that. How are you now? <laughs> I'm good, thanks very much, PJ. Um, yeah, um, I, w- I was incredibly lucky. I had paramedics attend the scene, and I had uh, West Cork Rapid Response with Dr. Jason. Um, and as he said, you know, when he was trying to put the windpipe um, down, he lit- the bones from my face just lifted off. Um, and again, it, I, I, you know, I had great care in CUH and in the, the, the National Rehab above in Dunleary. But um, yeah, it, it's taken a bit of time. Mm. <laughs> there are certain things that I'll always have to live with. But, you know, um, I'm doing incredibly well. Good, I'm, good. I'm and, really, and, really and, it's, and it's great to hear it. You were the victim of a hit and run. You were out on a bike and you were hit by a passing motorist. Yes, that's right. I was out cycling. It was the, the day before the, the Cork City Marathon, which I was due to do. Um, and that's why I ended up doing it with Dr. Jason, because it was very important to me just to get that done. Um, but um, yeah, I, I was just hit from behind and I ended up, and again, it wasn't a huge speed. I think they said it was approximately around 50, 60 kilometers an hour. Mm. Um, which generally, if you if, if a person is hit at that speed, you, your your chances drop dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's actually scary how much, like thirty kilometers, you might be okay. Anything above that, it's it's literally going down um, the percentage. So you hit a road sign. Very lucky. Your face yeah. and head hit a road sign with such force that you bent it, and. Then you hit a brick yeah. wall, like you're lucky to be alive. But all of these accidents that, that we're observing in the last few days, Olivia, they've, I think they've inspired you to appeal to people. Slow down. It is. Like, and first of all, my condolences to all those families. It's, you know, I won't lie to you. The first, you know, anytime I see them, my heart sinks just a little. Um and then, like, literally within a couple of days, there was another horrific accident. And it, it's nearly a whole family wiped out. Um, and again, look, I, I'm not, like a lot of people tend to blame or point a finger. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just, it, like, we're all responsible. I'm responsible when I'm on the road. Um, every single person that gets behind the, the wheel, um, we're all responsible. So it's just to slow down, pay attention, put the phone away. Mm. Um, you know, if you're tired, pull in, have a nap. There's so many things that we can do ourselves to try and prevent this. Mm. Um, yes, we have organizations like the RSA, we have the guards, we have so many other people out there trying to help. But generally, it's down to us as road users um, to try and slow down. So, you know, as I said, it's 
anytime I see it, like, it, like obviously anything my hair hitting on, it, it just gives me shivers. But, you know, it is incredibly sad to think about how many people have been lost this year mm. um, on the roads. And, and again, like a lot of things that we're not hearing about are people like me, people who've been severely injured. Um, some people will never make a recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I was incredibly lucky. I worked really, really hard and, you know, a lot of things fell into place for me to say that I, I had such a successful recovery, but not everybody is as lucky. So we, we don't hear about those. And again, it's something that people need to bear in mind. It's not just that person. It's everybody that's connected to that person right. is affected. That's right. I mean, if you just look and we talk in there to Caroline in, in Carrigaline, like the whole town of Carrigaline has been yeah. affected by, by little Andre's death. It's, it's, it's absolutely like when again I saw it, I was just, you know, I just was saying, please God, it'll be okay. And, you know, I was just looking out for updates. And then when I saw God, look, he didn't make it. It's, it's horrendous. And like, that's all the, his school friends, all his family. Yeah. And then the like, leaving, it, it, the it, leaving cert tragedy on Friday night. And then yeah. the thing in Cashel the other morning or the other evening. It's just, it's, it's been a terrible spate of it, hasn't it? It has, and like I, uh, I think it's again, you know, like we we can we can look at to blame a lot of organisations, but I don't think that's. I think it's down to us. Mm. You know, I think we've all we've all had little scares. I think if we all put our hand up and we've be honest, had, we've all had our tips. We've all had our scares. I've had mine. Do you know? Yeah, and um, I think it's just, and again, you know, it's easy for me to say I've been there. I've been at the other side of it. So now I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm in the car and I'm actually. You know, like I see a cyclist and I am backing off and I am making sure I'm not overtaking them until I have time. I don't care how long the queue is behind me. Um, number one, I want to be safe myself, but I don't want to, you know, do what was done to me to anybody else. I um, and I just think, you know, if you're going somewhere and you're like, we, we were all in a rush, you know, is, you know, dropping the kids to school more important than destroying somebody's life potentially is, you know, going to work that morning or being late I think sometimes we just have to face facts that we're going to have to be late. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I remember I was involved in, in a thing in the Rochestown Park a few years ago. I was asked to host an event, a road safety event for young people where they brought hundreds of them in from the schools and showed them and introduced them to people who'd been in, in accidents. And one of the men who spoke that morning, he was a chap, he'd been left in a wheelchair. He was really funny. He just this wonderful way of communicating with a crowd. And he said, look at me, he said, look at me. I was 10 minutes late and this is the effing result. Yeah. And I think, like, as you said, it's so true. I think sometimes you're hearing it directly from a person. And I know the RSA are getting involved with a lot of work with really young kids. And I think it's getting the message to kids as young as you possibly can. Um, you know, like even if you look about the environment, the way they've they've gone ahead and they're educating kids really, really young ages, um, so that they're out there and they're they're being, you know, careful and they're conscious and they're aware. It's the same with the roads. I think if you do get there young, um, you, you plant that seed in their head that you know, it's it's not fun. It, it's not good to do these things, silly things on the roads. Um, but it is, it, it's, it's a, it's a tough one. Like the RSA have a lovely, it, it's a worldwide day of remembrance in November. Yeah. 
Um, and I was up there and I w- it's a beautiful mass and a service. Um, it's to remember road victims, um, the, the deaths and the people who are severely injured. Um, and it was a lovely thing because you have people from the, the fire brigade. You have the guards. The fire brigade are out there dealing with horrific crashes. People forget that. You know, what they have to go through is horrendous. And mm-hmm. the same as the guards and the paramedics. And it, it was like a, a joining of all these organizations plus the people who were affected. There was one man, and it will forever stick out in my mind, and we were chatting after the ceremony, and we were saying how lovely it was. And he was saying that it was his daughter 20 years ago was killed. And every year for 20 years, he's attending the ceremony. You know, he's, like 20 years, it's still something that he was so severely affected by. Mm-hmm. Um, still as raw as yesterday. Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's just to... To remember that, you know, when time goes, you know, your injuries may heal, you know, certain things may heal, but you'll always be affected by it. Yeah. So it's it's just to remember that. And I think, you know, if, if we all, especially with all the kids going back to school, people going back to work in the office, you're meeting up with friends, just maybe try and leave a couple of minutes early. You know, right. if you're early, isn't it great? You might have to sit around for five minutes, but isn't that a lot better then rushing, hitting a person, you know, causing, yeah. So like, you know, that's something, if we can just bear in mind, it would be great. All right. Olivia, great talking to you and glad to know that you are making a good recovery from that horrendous accident in 2016. That's Olivia Keating. Now, Ed Buckley, you retired fireman um, and you went to far too many accident scenes that you care to remember, Ed, and you found over the years speed. Speed Absolutely, was the big one. Yes, yes. Good morning, Good morning. I'm delighted. Good morning. I'm delighted that you're you're covering the subject this morning. It has something very close to my heart. <clears throat> and like every other member of emergency services, whether it be in the hospital, the guardies, ambulance, fire, whatever, it does leave an, uh, a mark on when you see all of these situations. And my own personal view, I know nothing about the recent uh, situations about loss of life, but from my experience, uh, speed is a major factor in all of that. And people go out there and they, they have no regard. I, I'm not referring to anyone now that's in these situations because I know I know nothing about them other than what I hear on the radio and see television. But driving around at the moment, um, and I mentioned on several occasions, going up and down from, from Little Island, passing through uh, Dunkettle, there's absolutely no regard for the speed limits. Yeah. Whether we like them or not, we should adhere to them. We have to adhere to them. Yeah. And what worries me greatly is driving down there. That you adhere to the, the limit, and the sun for the passenger twice as much as fast. Yeah. I it's spotted it last night. I was going up, as, as I said, going up Maryborough Hill about half eight right. twenty-five to nine. That, yes. and, yeah. and this motorbike was barely touching the road. That's right. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I think also, you know, it's, it's coming to a stage of an epidemic, for want of a better word, because even the fire service, and we've always mentioned the fire service. They're dealing with as many road traffic situations as there are fires. And it's getting completely out of hand. We have no guardie, through no fault of them, I can assure you. We have no one policing the roads. The, the vans very seem to be very scarce around the place. And I have no sympathy for anyone who's caught speeding. Because we have to respect the people who are using the roads. If somebody wants to take his life in a sense, that's bad enough by careless driving. But he's endangering other people. Yeah. And there has been children lost over the over the years, as you well know, and you've covered them. And you've mentioned there well ago something which is very close to my heart, and I was very much involved with it. Was the actual road on the road to Stone Park? Yes. 
and that was great help. And I think that has to be enhanced again and put on the back on the. I'm not sure if it's running at the moment, to be honest with you, but at least it let people see what happens when something goes wrong. And I won't be liked for what I'm saying, but there's a lot of young people driving around there today, and the license should be taken off of them. Why? Because they have no regard for people or themselves. And the only time that they'll realise that they've done something wrong is when they're inside in the A&E department. Yeah. And the lady who was on before, just before I went on there now, she summed it up very, very well also. We never think these things are going to happen to us. And it's bad enough when they do. But there's young children after dying this week. Yeah. And you have the, the, the people in Clonmel, my heart bleeds for those people. Yeah. And I've known people over the years, like everybody else, not just me. I want to emphasize that part. There's thousands of people. I've met people over the years who've lost loved ones in road traffic situations. And they helped us in the courses that we did with the road safety and accident and everything else. And they gave their views of the hurt that they suffered. And it's heart-wrenching. Yeah. And there's four families, there, there's four people up there that died in Clonmel. The families of those people, you can only imagine their lives have changed forever. That's right. The same with the Tipperary, the young child up in Leash and the man up further up the country who died on yesterday. That's right, yeah. Accidents will happen. There's no two doubt there's no doubt about that. But most of the situations that occur today and any member of the emergency services will vote for this. And lots of them is carelessness, i.e. speed, drink drugs, whatever the case it is. And we we have an epidemic. And I hope to God that there's somebody out there in the government listening and will do something about this once and for all. Because it's dangerous going on the road. It's very dangerous. Ed, as always, grateful for your experience and, and your wisdom. Ed Buckley, retired uh, fire officer. Thank you very much. 0818969696. The speed, speed, he's, all, he's right with regard to speed. And I say that as someone who, who likes to drive fast when the opportunity presents itself. Not too fast now, mind you. But at the same time, you've got to be so careful. I was down on the Ring of Kerry at the weekend uh, doing a little bit of sightseeing and popping up there for lunch with my friend to um, actually Ladies View, which is a gorgeous place and a lovely, lovely cafe up there. But anyway, that's a by the by. But as you go up those country roads on, on the Ring of Kerry, the, the lunacy of people behind the wheels of cars. You just go, sweet, go. And they're not strangers. They're not tourists. They're locals driving like maniacs. Like the road, the line in the middle of the road, you're meant to stay on your side of it. It's not meant to be a guide to get you around the corner. Do you know what I mean? 0818 96 96 96. To return to Ricky, and I look, I'll put this one out there. This is a a message that came in about Ricky. And I know that if Ricky was on the line, he'd he'd respond to this. Because he does on his TikTok, which you can follow, to messages like this. The programme is very one-sided. There's nothing about the lives he ruined. It's just, he's a hero now, because he doesn't damage anyone. You're entitled to hold that view. Clearly, Ricky did hurt people along the way. He knows he did. He acknowledges that he did. And when he said to me very much in the interview, I didn't hurt anybody today. And he can sleep tonight because he didn't hurt anybody today. That's huge for him. 
but your point is as valid as anybody else's and I thank you for it. Declan got in touch with us. This is kind of shocking. Uh, My 15-year-old daughter, says Declan, was flashed by a guy outside City Hall as she was walking to school this morning. Needless to say, we phoned the guards. That phone call was completely wasted. I'm leaving this city for good very soon. This is another reason. This guy just hopped off the bus and dropped his pants in front of my 15-year-old daughter. He could be a danger to people, says Declan. Wow. I met a friend of mine while I was on holidays who's living over in Spain, and he was telling me that something happened not dissimilar to that, to his daughter, who'd be of a similar age, as she was walking home one Sunday evening with her two friends. It happened about half eight in the evening. This fellow was sitting in a car, not far from their home, and as the girls passed the car, he flashed. Someone of the girls had the presence of mind to snap a picture of the car. They made a report to the guards or the cops or the police locale and that guy was in custody by 11 o'clock. That wouldn't happen here. But thank you for that, Declan. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Cork Simon. Do you want to leave a legacy to the city you love? Find out more about leaving a gift in your will at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Still the messages coming in about Ricky O'Donovan. We will podcast that interview uh, very quickly after mid day. We'll have that up for you. Remarkable conversation with a remarkable young man. There's positive and negative coming in. People saying, look, you know, that's not over. Heron makes such over a hero of the guy because he did hurt people along the way. And the point I'm making, because he's not here, is I think he'd be the very first to acknowledge that he's hurt people along the way. But uh, another message. Hi, PJ. Anyone in addiction or a mam of anyone in addiction never, ever give up hope. I was that mam this time last year, thinking my son was going to die. Every day was horrific, just watching him slowly waste away. Today he's eight months clean. Ricky is such an amazing man. I wish the very best for him and for his family. And Ricky, as you'll hear repeatedly when you listen back to the interview, Ricky talks all the time about his mo- how his mom never, ever, 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 ever gave up. 0818969696. It wouldn't be the end of August, stroke, start of September. It wouldn't be back to school time without another shambles in the school bus system. Doing this job a long time. And before that, I was in the newsroom for a long time. And we, every year, every year, there was some 
part of the bus service that just fell apart. Simon Woodworth, you're in Riverstick. You got an email the other night just saying the service is gone. Morning. I, morning, PJ. I did indeed. Um, Tuesday night, 8 o'clock, got an email from the bus air and school transport saying due to operational issues beyond their control, they wouldn't be running my son's bus route on Wednesday morning. So it was less than 12 hours notice. Now where does uh, that bus go from? It's a route that bus Aaron calls C321. Um, where we live is between Riverstick and Belgooley, up the Denegal, about two kilometres sort of back towards Carrigaline. Mm-hmm. And that bus comes from it comes from sort of the Ballyfeard direction through Farth across up past us okay. and then in on the Carrigaline River Stick Road there. I know the I know the geography well, so you've painted a great picture of it. Um but but they just pulled it. They just pulled it. Now this is my son's fifth year in Kinsale Community School. It's it's always been a little bit action-packed at the start of the year as to whether we get a ticket or not because we're concessionary. But that's not the issue here. I mean, the first year in school, it was six weeks before a bus service was established. Um, there was public meeting in Manan Bridge about it at the time. It was a lot of concern about parents. There's been last year because the bus service was free, there was a huge increase in demand and that caused some headaches. This year... For the first time ever, without any fuss, my son's bus ticket arrived well in advance. I thought, well, this is great. They've got stuff sorted out. Um, He went to get the bus on Monday morning. The bus arrived far too early, so the bus had been and gone by the time he got to the junction. And um, then on Tuesday, apparently, the bus didn't turn up at all. And then on Tuesday night, we got this email saying there's no bus Wednesday and we don't know when it'll be back. Just like that. Just like that. Now, they were very apologetic, PJ. Anytime I've talked to the bus people in Capel Road, no, I didn't talk to them directly this time. They did come back and say, look, they acknowledge this is very stressful for parents um, and they're trying to resolve it as quickly as they can. But fine, it's fine, but why does, huge, why does this it happen in the first place, Simon? Year in, year out. Like, it's not their first rodeo. This happens somewhere every year. It's, it's not their first rodeo and I know there's a group of parents in Bannon Hasek who are struggling to get their kids on a bus. I know there is another bus problem with Belgooley National School at the moment which is a disaster too because they're doing roadworks outside that school. Now you've got a whole pile of extra cars turning up because parents have no choice but to drive their kids to school. There doesn't seem to be any capacity planning going on PJ which is just, just unreal. Mm, mm. Just before I move on to other people who are affected by things like this, explain once again for people who wouldn't understand, Simon, what is a concessionary ticket? A concessionary, there's two types of school bus ticket. If you're sending your child to the nearest school to your child, you will, and you're on a bus route, you'll automatically get a bus ticket. That's not a problem. But there's a number of us who live where technically the closest school to us is actually in Carrigaline, but we're sending our schools, kids to Kinsale Community School. So concessionary tickets are issued after everybody with an automatic entitlement okay. gets their ticket. Uh, now, to be fair, every year that's worked out. We've got tickets. And I do stress that's not what's at issue here. No. It's just because the, the kids who have the automatic entitlement aren't getting a bus either. 
Yeah, bus has just gone. Route C three two one just gone with no idea of when it might come back. The, the it says, if you don't mind my reading it, Simon, it says due to operational <laughs> issues beyond our control, we regret to inform you will not operate tomorrow. This route will not operate until further notice. We endeavour to have the route operational as soon as possible, and will provide you with an update in due course. We apologise, yeah. etc. But they, like, what are you supposed to do while you're waiting? How, like, how are you getting your son to school? Well, I see, I'm lucky, PJ. I work in UCC as a lecturer. My teaching term doesn't start till September the 11th and I'm actually on annual leave this week. So I said to my son, no problem, I'll bring you in and I'll pick you up at home. My next door neighbour who works shifts, he has no flexibility. So I said, I'll bring his two sons in as well. And judging by the local Facebook groups, other parents are doing the same. We're filling our cars, getting getting our kids in and out. And all the other routes seem to be running. But Judging by the comments on the Facebook groups and the parents who've contacted me directly, there's been massive confusion because there's another route called the C321T, which is double-decker service. So so kids with a C321 ticket are turning up trying to get onto that bus and they're being refused service, even if there's seats available. And in one case, I think one bus driver got quite snotty with the kids, which seems a little bit unfair. They're just trying to get to school. Okay. Simon, it's it's an unfortunate situation rises every year. Thank you very much. Now, Sylvia, uh, you're affected in a different way. Good morning. Yes, good morning, PJ. No. Yes, um, I'm one of the parents in Balnhasig, so a, a little bit of a different situation to Simon's um, um, story there a moment ago, even though we're not a million miles away from each other and all of our children are going in the same direction into Kinsale. So what's, ha- what's happening for you? So what's happening for us is, is a similar in one sense in that a lot of our children are on a concessionary status ticket, yeah. whereby it's deemed by the policy that is in place in the bus, Erin, and the Department of Education that there is a school closer. So like that, we would have to wait until everybody else is uh, facilitated and then a seat left over would be allocated to our children. Now, my daughter is only going into first year. I've just started first year. So this, I'm, I suppose, quite new to it all. But I do know it has been going on every year in Balnhasig as well. But this year, there are in excess of 30 children without transport going from Balnhasig Village to Kinsale Community. That's school. a full class. That's, uh, it's a bus. Yeah. It's a bus. It's a full bus. It's not that we have 10 or 12 without. We can fill a bus. So it seems like the logical solution to this would be to put the bus on. I suppose something else that strikes me a lot too, PJ, is with this policy of concessionary tickets, there's never any acknowledgement on the well-being for the child. We chose this school because that was the best school for our child. Absolutely nothing wrong with the school that is three kilometres closer. It's a wonderful school. But all of her peer support will be going into Kinsale Community School. And the policy is dictating that we should take her away from all of that and put her into an environment where she would not know anybody, where she has no peer support. Yeah. All because it's just that little bit closer. And the Department of Education is spending huge resources on child's well-being within the curriculum, and correctly so. Yes. Yeah. But there's no connection then with the policy in getting them in the door. And it just seems to me that there's no joint up thinking in a lot of this. No. And we're left now, as I say, in excess of 30 children 
like you said. So that's pushing more cars on the road, as you mentioned earlier as well. Even with the best the best efforts to carpool, it's still multiple cars on the road. But you have the feeling, like you said, you have the feeling of a bus all going to the one school. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and not yeah. looking for freebies, willing to pay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Never looked for that. And we have people within our group, um, PJ as well, whose children are in TY or fifth year and they had their ticket in first year or second year and then it was gone. So they've started, like my daughter, as I said, is just starting, but there are some children who are over halfway through their school, secondary school life, and have just been left without tickets. There are other families, like, like parents are going out to work in the morning. Families have children going to secondary, primary, preschool, like we're, we're going in all different directions in the morning. And I suppose as parents, we're well used to splitting ourselves in, in to many parts to try and cover all the needs of our family. But there is only so much parents can do. I'm reading a piece from the Southern Star, Sylvia, mm-hmm. where the principal down in Kinsale, Fergal McCarthy, has called on mm-hmm. Buzz Aaron to provide a bus for the 30 students. And this article, written by Jackie Coe, quotes someone in Buzz Aaron having said the students should consider schools that are geographically closer to them. I, I'm that, that's a disgraceful thing to say to anybody. It is, and it's, it's the rigidness of that policy. And the problem is that as long as that policy is in play, this is where I suppose decision makers can, can hide behind that. And I'm, I, I know it's a mammoth task, putting buses on the road and getting children into school. I, I understand that. But to suggest, as I said earlier, that it is wiser to send my child to another school rather than the one we have chosen. We have our reasons for choosing You should that. have your right, you have your right to choose that school. Egg, yes, yes, correct. And to suggest that we would put her elsewhere because it's three kilometres closer. That okay. is, in my mind, it just doesn't make any sense. And as, as Simon had said earlier, and yourself, you, you touched on it, this is not a new problem. Oh God, no, this is around longer than me. Um, every year. Every so year. One last one. The if, if you refused a ticket, Sylvia, again, I because mm-hmm. I've not had to deal with this myself personally, I don't understand it. If you are refused a ticket, you can appeal. And even the way to appeal isn't working properly. Yeah, that's one I, I, I can't seem to get an answer on. We, we got notification of the refusal for the bus ticket um, on the 26th of July. And from the 28th of July, I've been trying to go through their appeals process and the site would not load. It started loading then a couple of weeks later, but you're, you're stopped because this, you have to nominate the school in a drop-down menu, from a drop-down menu that your child is going to. But the school is not listed there. And you can't progress the appeal because you can't nominate the school. And I did contact the department on that one on the 15th of August and received a response saying there was a glitch and it would be resolved within 24 hours. Now, I tried it again on Monday, which was the 28th, mm. and it's still not working. And by the so time you, you get to get it... Yeah. Yes, you only have 28 days to appeal. Now, no. whether the appeal would be successful or not, that's another story. But you're not being given even the option to do that because the site is not working properly. Ridiculous. All right, Sylvia, thank you very much. And uh, thank you also to Simon. Another year, another bus... School bus shambles. 
Never, nothing ever really changes, does it? The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Call 96fm. Ah, lads, you'll have to do better now in the scamming department, all right? I got a text there during the news. AIB, it says. Due to unusual activity, your card has been placed on hold. Please visit aibinfo8.com and follow the on-screen instructions to reactivate. aibinfo8.com AIB, me arse. The number, just in case you're wondering, it came from 87 which is clearly a generated number. And it came in as quarter to 11 onto my mobile. You want to do better than that now? Do better than that, lads. 0818969696, the number, the text to WhatsApp, 0833969696, and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. I have lots of stuff to come back to from our various topics of conversation earlier, but this the school bus situation never ceases to amaze me how year after year we end up back here uh, Debbie you're also affected by this situation where are you and, and what's the problem good morning to you Hi good morning PJ I live in Riverstick and um, yesterday morning because I was able to take my daughter to school um, after the thing came out on Facebook about not the three to one bus not going. Okay. Um, so I was taking her to school, um, but as we were going down the hill, she got a text saying the bus was there. So we said we'll try it. She was able to get on the bus, um, which was fine. It was great. Then hold on, as, this was the bus you were told wasn't coming. Yeah, but at the time I didn't realise that Casey Rose, um, her ticket was. 321T. Right. You know, um, because she had just said to me, oh, it's 321. So I said, okay, I said, chance it. If you get on, great. If you don't, I can still take you. Right. So she went to school. Everything was fine. She rang me then yesterday at 10 past 12. And she goes, mom, the bus hasn't turned up. Right. And I said, okay. I said, will I come and get you? And she said, no. I said, we'll wait a while and we'll see. So I said, fine. She rang again at 10 to 1. She said, mum, the bus hasn't turned up. I said, okay. I said, I'm coming straight away. I'll collect you and bring you home. As I was going down the hill to go onto the main road to collect her, there was a mother of a first year student waiting for the bus that was supposed to be there at 12 o'clock to bring her son home and she had no idea that the bus hadn't turned up. Oh my God. So by the time I got to Kinsale, it was nearly 10 past one and at that stage the bus had turned up and pulling out with just two students on the bus. Good God. But like, that's fine. I was able to take and collect her yesterday but colleges are back in the next week or two. I'll have no car to collect her. But I'll Debbie, sorry, I'm just a small bit confused. I'll come back to that on that point. I'm just a small bit confused. This is the bus that you were told by email 
wouldn't be, wouldn't uh, be going. Or is it the other one? The three, the three, so there's the 321 and the 321T. T, yeah, and her ticket is 321T. Okay. Right, but some parents whose children finished last year got the email and others didn't get the email. I see. I see. So her bus was there yesterday. Her morning. bus was there. But, but didn't turn up to bring her home. It turned up at 10 past 1. Do you know, my son, like if the bus was going to be late or if there was an issue with the bus, send parents an email, just ring the school and say, look, there's an issue with this certain bus. It's going to be late. Can you let the students know or let the parents know, let someone know? Like, as I say, I was lucky I could go and collect her. Yeah. Do you know, there's parents that weren't able to collect their kids yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know. And it won't be possible for you going forward to do it. No, it won't because colleges will be back and I will not have a car. Oh, why can't they get the simple things right? I, I don't know. It's look as everyone else has been saying, it's been going on for a long time, but it just seems to be starting very early. Do you know, like, they're, what, they're not even a week back in school yet. I, um, we, were, we were here having our morning meeting about a week and a half ago, Debbie, and I said it to, to Fergal. I said, we're going to start getting the complaints about the buses any minute now. Yeah. And yeah. here we are. So that, like, I'm, I, now I know I'm not working, but if I had a car I could collect, I don't have a car, I can't collect yeah. her. But like, there's parents who are working. How are those children supposed to get to school, get home? No, no, you're you're complete. You're completely right. It's 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 a mess, is what it is. Debbie, thank you very much, and best to best to your your daughter in her schooling. Brendan, you're another one of the parents who got this email the other night. Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. Um, that's right. Yeah, we got the same email on Tuesday night uh, about eight p.m. Uh, saying that the the bus on Wednesday morning wasn't going to operate. And it wasn't going to operate until until further notice. Um, that was the the C three two one to consider school. Um, and I understand that other parents. I mean, that bus after it does the or after it's supposed to do the Kinsale run um, does a run to Belgooley National School, and I think that bus is called the C six two five. So other parents with kids in Belgooley National School. Um, you know, got a very, very similar email um, about the C625 route to, to Belgoni National School as well. Um, and, you know, as you said, it's, it's that time of the year again. Um, this, you know, seems to happen every year. Um, you know, last year was was no exception. I mean, last year, I know that the um, school transport was, was opened up um, by Norma Foley with obviously good intentions, but, mm. you know, no forward planning in terms of capacity. Um, and, you know, last year, my daughter who's now in, in fifth year in KCS, I mean, you know, after much lobbying, didn't actually get a bus ticket until uh, the start of October. Yeah. Um, so, you know, faced with ferrying her up and down um, last year as well. Now, you know, this year, just by pure coincidence, similar to your earlier caller, Simon, I just happened to be on a week's holiday from work this week. So, you know, we, we can work around it this week. But, you know, next week when, you know, when I'm back to work and my wife is back to work, um, you know, that's going to be much more difficult, you know, considering mm. that, you know, while I do work from home a couple of days a week, you know, I work in the city three days a week. Um, yeah. um, so that flexibility, you know, isn't going to be there. Um, and, you know, it not only impacts the, the child that doesn't have the bus ticket. You know, I've got two, two other kids that are in, in different schools. 
Uh, one is in in Belgoonie National School, actually, but on a on a different bus to the one that mm. was pulled, and you know, another kid that that attends a, an ASD unit in a different school. So the fact that we have to drive down to KCS, you know, in the morning, also impacts their schedules because while their transport is running, yeah. you know, at an age where you can't leave them home alone. So, you know, you have to get them out, bring them with you. Um, and, you know, it, it, it upsets their, their routine as well. Of course it does. Of course it does. Yeah. God, it's a mess. Um, and, it, you know, it, it just seems like there's, there's no forward planning here at all. I mean, the deadline for receiving applications for bus tickets, I think, was the 28th of April, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, so, yeah more, and most, know, most of the parents I've spoken months, over the yeah. yeah, most of the parents I've spoken to over the years, Brendan, have their paperwork in good and early. Everything's tickety-poo. All the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed. They put in the paperwork and then, then they're facing this nonsense. Yeah, that, that, that's true. I mean, you know, it's uh, you know, the same routine every year. I mean, we all, we all know when the deadlines are. We all get the applications in. Um, you know, Boss Aaron have, you know, four months before they know how many students are meant to be going to each school. They've got four months to plan that capacity. Um you know, which you would imagine is enough time. And, you know, okay, some things change, you know, some routes might have might have, might have more kids on it than they did previously. But, you know, that can be planned out. I mean, they can use double-decker buses as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that some double-decker buses go to, to KCS, you know, if there's a, if, if it's a, a case... Yeah, well, this famous 321T, I'm told, is a double-decker bus, you know? That's that's true. It is, yeah, it is, it is. And, I mean, there's another single-decker bus, I don't know the, the name of it, that goes to KCS as well. But, you know, if the issue is drivers, you know, and that driver can drive a double-decker bus, why not put on that double-decker bus? And that takes care of the capacity issue that, you, that, that, that we have at the moment. Do you know what the problem with what you just said, Brendan? It's logic. And there's not much logic flying around these places, this, 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 this thing over the years. Thank you very much, Brendan Lynch, and to everyone else before, to Debbie, and to Sylvia, and to Simon. Oh, God, it's just completely predictable, year in, year out, that this, that this happens. The, the email they got, okay, was, we regret to inform you that Route C321 will not operate until further notice. We endeavour to have the route operational as soon as possible. We'll provide you with an update in due course. On behalf of Bolsera and School Transport, we'd like to apologise for any inconvenience caused. Now, what are they to do? What are they to do? And did anybody at a meeting, say in Capwell or wherever these decisions are made, and look, there's probably a reason for it. I have no doubt. And if anybody in Bus Aaron would like to issue me with a statement as to why it was cancelled, we'd be more than happy to read it on the air more than happy or put someone forward on the end of a telephone love to talk to them but did anybody sit down at a meeting and say come here lads um, what are they going to do about the kids <laughs> how are the kids going to go to school did, did anybody think of that Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I think we need a little bit of fun the Cork Koi Poo. I've been saying for years I will find out who you are. I still don't know. The Cork Koi Poo on Twitter, stroke X. Twix. There you are. Twix. We can call it Twix. Anyway, Cork <laughs> Koi Poo on Twix says, there are now five million people living in Ireland. And I'm fairly sure 4.5 million of them are currently in my fifth class Parents, WhatsApp, talking absolute 
Bollocks. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The Big Drive Home. With Izzy Showbizzy. It's so good. On Cork's 96 FM. Hey. Busy show busy, and I'm coming to the big drive home on Cork's 96 FM. Join me Monday from 4 for the best music mix, all the showbiz, and the latest traffic. Plus, you pick the playlist on the takeover each night from 7. Join me Monday from 4. The big drive home with Izzy Show Busy. Cork's 96 FM. 96 FM. Frank says, Ah, Jesus, he says, bring back the days when we walked to school in our socks. The poor little darlings might get wet. See, Frank, that comes from the kind of way of thinking, I know you're probably joking, but it comes to the kind of way of thinking that, well, my life was crap, so the kid's life needs to be crap too. It's it's nearly 11 kilometres from um, Riverstick to to Kinsale and the school is at the other side of Kinsale so you're probably talking about 12 kilometres which is a bit of a stroll now for a youngster uh, at half 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning 0818 96 96 96 now Jacqueline um, roads, dangerous roads, dangerous drivers morning good morning what happened to you? Um, it was about ten, half 10 last night it was I was coming home from work and uh, we were driving down Snag Glen in Mallow Right. And this delivery driver swerved right around us, going 70 kilometres an hour. Now it's it's uh, 50 kilometres an hour on that road. Okay. And uh, he just so happened to be pulling into our, our own estate. So um, we were going our usual way, weren't bothered about it. But he actually stopped just in front of our house. He was going to our neighbour, actually. Okay. And we got out of the car. He was going 40 kilometres through the estate, by the way. It's, it's 20 kilometres in the estate. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, so he got out the car and so we were going to walk into the house but he's, he's looking at us so we said here can you can you slow it down a bit because going through an estate like there's, there's even at half ten at night like there's still children going around you know uh-huh. and uh, so he told us to, to just leave us and we were like no sorry you're you're going off the speed man. like yeah, yeah exactly um, so he had told us that he has the right to go whatever speed he wants because he's delivering. Okay. We, we told him, sir, it's, it's not okay. Like, it's mad. Yeah, he told us that we were going too slow at 50 kilometres an hour. Okay. Now, I don't want you yeah. to identify who he oh, was yeah, driving yeah. for or what, but but um, did you think of making a complaint? I did think of making a complaint, yeah. Yeah, yeah because that's that's not acceptable. Yeah, it's they're not meant, at all. They're meant to drive within the rules of the road. Yeah, Exactly. All right. As that, a professional that. driver, like, you know. Yeah. All right. Jacqueline, yeah. I'm glad, glad you got home okay anyway. Jacqueline, thank you. 0818969696. That happened to them last night in, in Mallow. I'd say make that complaint. I would definitely say make that complaint. Thanks, Jacqueline. 0818969696. Couple of things I want to get through for you. Uh, the CUMH car park. We got a message. Don't know who this is from. Uh, they've held on to her name as requested. Hi PJ. Uh, please don't mention my name. I was wondering, did you hear that the car park at CUMH for staff has now been closed? 
480 staff spaces are to be gone. And they want us all to go to three different areas. Model Farm Road, Bishopstown GAA and Highfield. They're all already full. And we have to get a shuttle bus down to the hospital every morning. And I like to go to my car for my lunch and things like that. I won't be able to do that anymore. It's going to cause an awful lot of stress. I already have to go into the normal car park for about half six every morning to get a space. If I don't, I won't get one. And I don't start work until eight. It's just crazy. It's just upsetting. No one seems to do anything about it. Just wondering, could you bring it up on the radio station? Please don't mention my name. Happy not to do that. So already going in at half six in the morning for for a parking space to start work at eight. Now they're going to take the parking spaces off them, according to this message. And she's going to have to go to and get a shuttle bus. Watch, 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 right? The shuttle bus won't be there for her at half six or seven o'clock. 0818969696. Couple of more things. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, dodgy boxes. We talked about this before with Adrian Weckler at the Indo. Uh, dodgy TV boxes. They're big business. They are very big business. And some of them are very, very, very technically advanced uh, these days. There's a new wave of crackdowns now coming against your dodgy box, your television box. Uh, Cork, Dublin, Galway, Leash, Louth, Mayo and Monaghan currently being checked out big time. The Federation Against Copyright Theft is working with the guards um, for, for to catch people streaming sport, movies and other stuff. Uh, they reckon that there's about 170,000 people using dodgy boxes in this country. Uh, it's an offence to have one. It's an offence to use one. It's an offence to sell one under the Copyright Act of 2000. Now, they're not going to come to your front door. They're not. like The guards are not going to come to your front door and, and ask to see your dodgy box. Or, well, they won't use those words, I suppose. But they are investigating the providers and they are catching the providers and shutting down the providers. So the, the fellow you bought it off of, or the fellow who programmed it for you, they're after him. And your soccer matches and your films will disappear because you won't be able to use the codes anymore. Every day, look, there's people using them. There's loads of people using them. I have seen them. I have seen them in use. And the quality on them is, is very good, to be fair. It's really good these days. But you run the risk of losing the service because your provider will have been nabbed by the copyright people. Here's another one. Uh, Ryanair. I flew Ryanair recently. I find the the seatbelts on planes to be all right. They're a bit awkward and they get old and they're twisted and you're trying to stretch them out to the last and then tighten them in around you. But Katie Higgins, who I've spoken to in the past, um, Katie Higgins is a beautician um, and she was flying from Glasgow to Cork. She's from Cork. Uh, Katie's Curvy Closet is her blog. And she's a size 16 and she felt the belt was way too tight for her. She didn't want to ask for an extension because she'd considered that embarrassing. So she felt she, she felt she was lassoed into it. And she's after asking Ryanair now, could you please, like, cop on a small bit with the size of the seatbelts? I'm a size 16. I know, I know I'm bigger, she said, but I'm only a size 16. And sure enough, other people, size 16, have come in and said, Actually, she's right. You feel 
squizzed, lassoed into the Ryanair seatbelt. Now, I'm, I'm not a thin man. I'm carrying a pound or two. I'm the first one to admit it. I'm carrying a pound or two that I probably shouldn't be carrying. I was okay with the with the Ryanair seatbelt on my holidays in the summer. Um, I just leave them out at the last and just barely tighten them up. But sure, if it's a problem for some people, it's a problem for some people. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, they've done a survey at uh, Sport Ireland on young people, young women taking part in sport and young women leaving sport after being involved in it for years. And they found in this survey, a fair-sized sample size, practically every child in primary school is playing sport at least once a week. Some kind of sport at least once a week. This is focusing on girls. But it did find out that among girls, the dropout rates in the teenage years was higher. So boys drop out, sure, but more girls drop out in their teenage years from sport. And the research now is to find out why that is. What might be the reason for that? One of the things they think is maybe girls are a little bit more studious and concentrate more on their lessons in their teenage years. Don't know about that. Um... I genuinely don't know about that. Someone who might know is is Eileen Ring, a friend of the show, um, very, very knowledgeable on on women's soccer. In fact, Eileen, you've been playing soccer and involved in soccer and coaching all of of your life. Um, This this survey is is an interesting one, very interesting. Your response to it, good morning. Morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Um, Yeah, I suppose like it's kind of that awkward age maybe for teenage girls where... um, I suppose your body's changing and your kind of maybe your personality is developing and things like that. And there might be a little bit of a sense of embarrassment around changing room areas and and things like that. But I suppose the other side of it is like there's more than just team sports there. You know, there's individual sports that and like ways to stay fit and active and maybe potentially find your way back to team sports as you're a little bit older. Um, And I think like organisations um, like obviously my, my background is, is predominantly football soccer is in soccer so like, I know like the Cork School Girls League do their very very best and, and all the clubs around Cork to kind of keep girls there but I, I think what becomes difficult is like that step up with every age group I think can be kind of intimidating so like for argument's sake you go from under 17 football maybe to under 19 to suddenly senior women's football so like you're going from playing with your friends to being expected to kind of play with older girls who who may take it a lot more seriously so it's to kind of bridge that gap I think is important and clubs are doing it and as I said with the Cork School Girls League they changed the and the ages within the league to kind of bridge that gap a little bit but like it is a difficult one and people will kind of tend to go with the crowd won't they and if, if a couple leave a few more will but I suppose for like for me, like it's really important, I think, to have an involvement in, in some sort of activity. And if it's not sport, like around Cork in particular, we're be- blessed with the amount of like, like musical theatre and dance and things like that. And a lot of gyms, like I know the gy- my own gym that, that I use, Alpha, would be very, very good at having like teenage girl groups in um, and, and then being able to attend classes in kind of an environment that is friendly and, and welcoming to them. And I, I think that's what's very, very important. Yeah. Um, Sport Ireland tell us now that nearly every primary school child is playing sport at least once a week. You'd love for them to continue. So that's the next 
body of research, isn't it, into how do we keep them doing something? Yeah, very much. And I think what can, I suppose, maybe become is is when sport becomes that little bit more serious. And I suppose it's to have that line whereby people are playing just for the love of a game and just because it's that kind of stress relief or that enjoyment with your friends to maybe suddenly things become a little bit too serious for, and some people mightn't have an interest in sport like that, that they really do want it to be recreational. So it is to find that balance as, as players get older to understand Yes, of course, you want sport to be competitive, but at the same time, what's more important? For me, it's more important, like, and again, as I said, and I'll always come back to the schoolgirls league because that's where my background is, mm. is that, like, there's so many more numbers playing now that you can have different divisions and stuff. So, like, you can have a very, very competitive league whereby every club is taking it extremely seriously and then maybe you can come down where it's it's, it's more recreational and yeah. said clubs kind of are putting in, in the work there, I think, to keep girls interested. And yeah. in Cork, like, we're so lucky with the volunteers like that every club has. Um, and, and I'd include GA in that, although it's, it's said I, I wouldn't be massively knowledgeable in it, um, that they, they, these volunteers do their very, very best to keep people involved. And it's trying to find that balance of mm. it being very, very serious and... And fun uh, at the same time. And being fun, like, and that yeah. is it. It's like, it's going, somebody wants to go and play sport to enjoy it. They don't want to go because maybe not everyone wants to play at yeah. the level Denise O'Sullivan or Katie McCabe. Like, do you know, so... Yeah. It's just striking that balance. They just, want, they just want to kick a ball and have some fun. They're also saying at Sport Ireland, I think, that sometimes girls in their teens are a bit more academic and a bit more studious than the boys and they spend more time on their schoolwork. Do you find that? Yeah, I suppose for me, I, I would have seen it a lot growing up like that, very much so. Like I, friends of mine that would have, I would have played, in, pretty much I would have played every sport growing up and um, I suppose as we became to, as we were teenagers and in school I think like some of my friends who, who would have been really really high I, I think would have had the potential to be very high level be it soccer players or GA players probably did fall a little bit um, away to their study and stepped away from sport and maybe came back to it later on in life um, but I, I just think it's that balance isn't it it's, it's like it's not good for anybody be it to be like stuck behind a screen all day stuck in a book all day it's that balance of getting out and getting your fresh air and instead of it's not in a team environment said it could it be gym could it be going out for a run for a walk or something like that it's just to stay active yeah. and we have so many options and i think there's something for everybody now i think it's an awful shame to see people falling away from sport more for the social aspect of it more than anything else well, maybe with the research now and, and finding out why we might get more people to stay while i have you there I have an opportunity to ask you about uh, Vera Pau. Um, I think a lot of people were surprised that her contract wasn't renewed. I mean, she got us to a World Cup, for goodness sake. Were you surprised? Um, I wasn't surprised, no. No, um, no I, I think had maybe the FAI maybe done their due diligence day one, I'm not sure if Vera Pau would have ever got the appointment um, given the issues in the States. Now, for me, look... You can't deny what she's achieved footballing wise. That you can't deny she's our most successful manager, and I think time we, she will be remembered very, very fondly in this country. But for me, there's an awful lot more than football, and player welfare has to be of the utmost importance. And I can see on social media, it's kind of turned on the players a little bit, saying they drove her out, which I don't think is correct at all. Mm-hmm. I just think I think for me the World Cup was always a natural end to to her cycle to a very very successful cycle, but like Vera Powell is someone who, who's 
banned from working in America in, in the league over there and like that's not for no reason either we, we do have to look at things like that they said I wish her nothing but the best but yeah, for me I, I personally wasn't surprised okay. um, especially once they stopped those contract talks pre-World Cup the FEI, I think, put the players and Vera in a bad position by A, letting this rumble on now for so long and B, they just threw them out to the media to deal with these allegations that were there and I think that was unfair on the players mm-hmm. um, at a time when their only focus should have been on football in the World Cup and their focus had to be on something that none of them were involved in, you know, so... Yeah, maybe these off-the-field things, it just, it, it all led to a parting of the ways at a logical point is what you might call it, I guess. While I have you, and I, I can't not ask because it dominated our discussions here in the programme uh, early in the week, the Jenny Hermoso thing from, from Spain. What do you think of that, lastly? Um, yeah, again, probably not surprising given, like, if, if you look at the history of Spanish football over the last two years in particular, like, the players have been so vocal and obviously a lot of them stepped away last year um, in relation to issues with the manager, stuff like they weren't allowed to lock their hotel rooms on international duty. Um, there's an awful lot of alarm bells ringing the whole time there and um, the fact that the manager at the time wasn't removed. Hmm. Um, I, I genuinely like my heart breaks for Jenny Hermosa and for, and for all those Spanish players who this should be the pinnacle of their career and all we're talking about is this like horrible man who's behaved in a way that he seems to deem is okay and it's not yeah. and like Jenny Hermosa is like this incredible football player Yeah, that's been it forgotten been... how bloody good she is absolutely and, and a brilliant role model and like that Spanish team like such a, it was such a successful tournament on the pitch and for it to be so sullied um, by one man's behaviour and I think the behaviour after it of those around him, it's mm. only now that I think the Spanish Federation are kind of maybe finally sitting up and realising and saying, hold it now, this is wrong. But like, it's taken an awful lot for it to get to the point, that point. And threatening to sue her and stuff was it's disgusting behaviour like that that's my opinion of it and I said my heart breaks for her and for all that Spanish team because what should be the pinnacle of their career has, has become a circus it's through no fault of their own they're a really really special team a really special team and they're an absolute joy to watch and if they're managed correctly and, and treated correctly I think there'll be no team in the world to come near them for the next yeah. 10 years because they are that good Eileen it's been a fascinating conversation thank you very much Thanks a million, PJ. Cheers, cheers. God, we covered, we covered a lot of ground there. Thanks, thanks, Eileen. The Hermoso thing is, is dragging on. He, he's still sticking to his guns and refusing to resign. He's surrounded by people telling him he needs to quit. But he's still... And the, 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 is it the male had some um, indication this morning that she might have been seen laughing and joking about the whole thing on a team bus later that evening... Um, that's a claim in one of the papers this morning. Look, it is what it is. She didn't consent to it. She wasn't happy about it. She said afterwards, I didn't expect it. I didn't want it. And it's it's a huge discussion. Um, but just wanted to get Eileen's take on it, not to mention her take on, on Vera Pau, which is very strong. Because I know a lot of people were quite surprised that Vera Pau was, um, was not, I did never contract renewed, particularly when we're heading into a new competition in only a couple of weeks. And Eileen Gleeson will take over the team now for those particular competitions. 0818 96 96 96 on school buses. A big problem with the school buses is they suddenly introduced this over 70s rule. 
and that caused chaos with scheduling. They should drop that and base it on fitness to drive, which is far more sensible. Yeah, that was brought up a couple of years ago. I think it was Tim Lombard, actually, the senator down that part of the world, brought it up. The over-70s rule is what it sounds like. The driver has to be under 70. And there are many retired bus drivers who'd still be quite fit and well able to drive a school bus. But because of the over-70s rule, they're not allowed to do it, which leaves a lot of empty drivers' seats. So thank you for that. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. See this thing on Turkish Airlines, just mentioning flying and story about the seatbelts on Ryanair a few minutes back. But this thing on Turkish Airlines. Look, we've all brought our children on flights when they were smallies. We've all done it. Um, and when we're grown up a bit, when we're adults, we don't want to sit around children. We'd much prefer not to. Much prefer not to sit near small babies on flights. I know they're entitled to be on it too, and we were all there, and we had our children with us, and it was nice if people were kind to our children. Yeah, I know that. We've done all that. It'd be nice not to have to. So there's a Turkish airline... Corandon Airlines. No, I have never heard of it before either. But Corandon Airlines, they fly between Amsterdam and uh, Curacao or Curacao in the Caribbean. They're setting it up in, as a November trip. Amsterdam to Curacao sounds nice. Um, but they want to set aside, or they're looking to know if people would pay more to sit in a child-free part of the plane. So you might go down the back of the plane or up the front of the plane and the only thing you'd be sure of is there was no smallies around you. No babies, uh, no smallies. You'd be an adult-only part of the plane. And they're wondering whether someone would would pay more for that. They'll actually have a curtain across the middle of the plane separating the adult section from the section where, where children are. And it'll be 45 euro per person to sit in that section of the plane. I think I'd be happy to listen to a little bit of Snotten and Knauf Shawlan to save me 45 quid. Other people may feel differently, I know that. 45 euro to sit in the curtained off section of the plane away from children. Now, that's a 10 hour flight, so maybe that isn't too bad. But we've all done it, we've all been there, we've all brought our own kids and and hopefully they've been well behaved. But I know, and I'll be honest with you, if I'm sitting on a plane to go on my holidays and in front of me or behind me or across from me or even within spitting distance of me, if I see someone sitting down with a real smallie, I'm going, oh no, oh no, please, just please either go to sleep or be quiet. And whatever you do, don't have your ears getting sore. I don't need it. Had my own children for years. But would I pay 45 quid for the pleasure? Don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'd just buy a couple of a couple of bottles of wine and sleep the sleep for the journey. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Mary, you got in touch with us over a few different things. Um the driving test being one of them. 
Let's chat. Good morning. Oh, oh, don't talk to me. That driving test, that kind of thing. We all heard, oh, the wait times have come down and it's now three to five weeks. But you know how they achieved that? How? You can't apply for for six. For My daughter tried yesterday mm. and um, she can't. She has registered to apply for her test and they've told her it will be May. Before she can apply? Before she can apply. So now they've stopped you applying. So you will get your test in three to five weeks once you apply, but they won't let you apply. So hold on, I get this right now. So she's finished her lessons. She's finished her lessons, has all all the things are uploaded on the system or whatever, so she's eligible to apply. She's eligible to apply. And... When, so, when will when she be able she to tries to apply? Yeah. When she tries to apply, she has now been registered to apply. Be allowed apply, and she's been told that that will be approximately May, and then she will be able to select from a date in the following three to five weeks. May twenty twenty four. Yes. And this is the last day of August twenty twenty three. Yes. So if she if she applies in May of 2024, three to five weeks is ending from the middle of June yeah, to the start it's, of July. It's, it's, it's good when, and like she's in college, she, she'd probably be on her J1, please God, or something like that, like kind of thing. You know what I mean? Where in God's name are you supposed to be? But anyway, aside from that, but like it's a farce to say they've and. The real problem with this is it's actually increasing the length of time it's taking to, because if you haven't applied for your test, you can't avail of cancellations. I was just going to ask you that. So she can't actually yeah. ring up and say, come here. I Like, no. for example, is, is she going to college, right? But she might she might want yeah. a part-time job or whatever. Or she, could... she has one and we're driving her in. Uh, unfortunately, every, every so often there's a shift that starts at half past five in the morning. Oh, God. Right. Right. Yeah. So we're getting up and bringing our lights. There's no public transport. Public transport isn't an even an option for her. But that's fine. You know what I mean? We're, yeah, you do like, it, don't you? The joys. Yeah, exactly. You do it. But like this whole thing, but like a cancellation, but it's increasing the waiting list because none of those, because you can't, only people in within that three to five week window can apply for cancellations. Oh, God. Okay. So it's actually increasing. But like, it's a joke to say the waiting list is three to five weeks when it's not. It's actually when you can't even apply. That's 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 a whole new twist you on know, it now, I imagine. That's a whole new twist. <laughs> I never, I, I just could not believe it. I, I actually didn't believe it. I have to say, I went in and looked myself and I said, you must be doing something wrong, you know. Uh, yeah, we, we do and, that, don't you know, we? We do that, don't we? Do, we? we and do that. And, and, and the thing is, thing. Mary, they're far more <laughs> you know? savvy than we ever were and they're still, no, that's exactly what... I know, it's crazy. It's absolutely yeah, yeah. daft. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, that, I think that was the worst ever. Like, only in Ireland would we decrease a waiting list by stopping people joining it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, and you may be absolutely sure that when she gets to be yeah. three to five weeks, <laughs> first of all, it'll be the longer part of five. And I'd say it could be closer it, well, to ten. I suppose you can, exactly, or else the slots will all be full or something like that. Or no, there'll be some drama anyway, or as I, I say, she might even be here anyway. But that's the, like, it's just a farce kind of thing. But like, really, the stopping and cancellations is a far more yes. damaging 
Yes, she can't even apply you know, for cancellation. She, she can't apply because because she can't apply for the test. Ridiculous, ridiculous. You yeah. wanted to say something, I think, Mary, about Vera Powell as well. No, listen to sure Eileen. Did. Eileen I, wasn't surprised. I know, but no, I suppose just on a personal level, I know nothing about soccer. I know nothing about the woman. It's just you know this whole um, t- women twenty twenty in sport. If she can't see it, she can't be it. Yes, and I think what Vera Powell has done for this country, for women's sport and just the way it was communicated and it seemed very like as if she's not good enough to do the job considering the job she did. Yeah, she got got us there like, you know, she got there. And more than that, she did far more than that. The involvement, did you see the, like, right again now there were the only two soccer matches, ladies or women's I, I ever watched in my life I think but anyway they um, but like the interaction she brought between the team and mm. young people yeah. right yeah. throughout the campaign yeah, yeah. That, she that, captured she and the team I don't captured. care what else she no. did yeah. yeah she captured the imagination she did. of the country and harness you, know, you saw I saw young girls and you know their faces were just lit up yeah. like these you know, they knew these girls, they knew their names, they, they knew about them, they were their they idols. Did, they did, and they she did. was a huge part of that. Even, you know, she was the Grand Marshal of the St. Patrick's Day Parade. That's right. And no. she just seems to have been shoved aside and yeah. just kind of... Yeah. Only with, I mean, they had a big event out I, I just, in Turners Cross Stadium for one of the matches and I was watching one of the matches on my holidays and the, the pub was packed with, yeah. with little Irish kids in their jerseys, yeah. all excited. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I just think she never like you know what I mean. I know the ladies hockey team and they did, but nothing like this. Nothing harnessed the young people, mm. the sport, and the whole message of if she can't see it, she can't be it. And I think Vera Powell personified that. Yes, she and did. Her influence far beyond what she did with the whatever the squad of players who actually went to the World Cup. And I just think that that seems to have been totally, you know, like in the same breath, in that same broadcast on Monday when it was announced that Vera Power wasn't going ahead, you had the whole, um, some crowd in Sport Ireland talking about um, participation in sports. We were just chatting about it, wasn't Yeah, and you know what I mean? And here we have somebody who was increasing that participation you know, whose influence was far beyond, I suppose. Her influence was far beyond. And I think it was just the way uh, we decided not to renew her contract. Yeah, yeah. Mary, Mary good, good conversation. Thank you. Uh, and I know you have lots of... Call me anytime. You have loads to say. We get loads of messages from Mary. It's always lovely to talk to her about anything that happens to be on her mind. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. 0818 uh, A Tom on the school buses... I can understand the thinking behind the age limit on bus drivers, though. The rule is for man, not the man for the rule, meaning we make rules to help people. If they're messing things up, you change the rules, which is true. Thanks, Tom. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.